Beth. And I'm Jamie. Welcome to Drive and Fix the Podcast, where I pick the podcast. And I shut my giggle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that that's what you went with. I was really hoping that, that was going to be what you went with. <laughs> and today's episode is all about Season 4, Episode 5, Monster Movie from the CW's Supernatural. Jamie, what did you think? Look, I'm all for living up to expectations, so let's talk about the lighting. Yeah, okay, straight in, straight in. So I'm going to reference The Driver Picks the Podcast, Season 1, Pilot, Episode Episode, 1. Like two minutes in. Episode two minutes in. (laughs) I said, no, this shit is not film noir. This shit was just dark. You know, film noir had excellent lighting and I would like to offer this as evidence. I love the (laughs) fucking lighting in this bullshit. Like... I love that they committed to the black and white bit. Yeah. And they did it the entire way through. Yeah. And the lighting was really good. And this is what I mean. Like, it can be dark, but you need to be able to see something. Yeah. So the fact that, like, yes, it was dark, but it was, like, strategically dark. Mm -hmm. You could see what you needed to see. Like, the vital stuff was really well lit. Yeah. And then it just allowed everything else to sort of fade into the background. Yeah. So this is what I was talking about when I said no film noir has fantastic lighting and it makes me so fucking mad that Supernatural has a good example of film noir light. <laughs> okay, but I am glad that you loved the lighting. Yeah. Okay, maybe because this episode is so unique in the sense that it is in black and white, it is the only episode of the series that is in black and white. There are scenes from later episodes mm. that are black and white, but the whole episode is not. So this is probably the best example we're going to get of yeah. the like mm. the use of it. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about in the lighting, set design, anything? Because it is so unique to this episode. I have lots of like little notes about the lighting and set design. First up, I've already said it, I'll say it again. I really love the lighting in this episode. Mm-hmm. I thought the use of light and shadows was like fantastic. Yeah. I could see everything that was meant to go on while still being, like, sort of, like, the vibes were correct. You know what I mean? Like, while still having the correct, like, old-timey monster movie vibes. Which, look, at this point, my middle name might as as well just be, like, commit to the bit. Yeah. Like, (laughs) if there's one thing I fucking love, it's when somebody or something commits to a bit. Yeah. I commit to bits all the time. It's, like, the one thing I do on this fucking podcast. (laughs) So... For them to actually commit and do the black and white the entire way through Mm -hmm. and, like, to really, like, because it's not just the black and white. It's, like, all of the stylistic choices they make from the sound design. Let's talk about the sound design. Yeah. Briefly. Incredible. Right? Their use of, like, the strings and the violins and, like... It's perfect. This episode is so cohesive. Yes. Yeah. Like, they knew what they were doing. Mm -hmm. Like, everyone was on the same page, which is so rare for Supernatural. (laughs) Like, I think it's because this episode's, like, concept and design and the actual, like, film technique elements of it are so unique to the series. Like, they were going for something so specific that everyone was on that same page of, like, oh, this is outside of our norm. And so, like, they were all really, really clear on what the goal was. It's like they said we're going to do, like, a classic monster movie homage. Yeah. And everyone was like, fuck, we don't know what that is. So they all went and did research and actually knew what they were doing. Like, they always know what they're doing. But unfortunately, 
it doesn't seem like the communication really yeah, went into it's not place. cohesive. Yeah, so like everyone knows what they're doing individually, but no one knows what the actual vibe of the episode's meant to be. Yeah. So like for it to all like all come together and like the set design and the music design and the lighting choices and the direction, like there's one shot that I really love when they're in the morgue and they've got all the doors behind them. Yes. And they're like trying to find the right one. I Beautiful. love that shit. What a gorgeous shot. Yeah. I, I am living for this shit. Yes. Like I am just like one of the things that I adore about this episode, and it's really funny actually, because on my original watch through, this was not an episode that I loved particularly yeah. because I really like the general supernatural episode. Yeah. So this one really threw me. And again, I was binge watching. So it yeah. felt really out of place mm-hmm. for me in that initial context. But now going back to it, I'm like, oh, I love this episode because I saw that it was Ben yeah. Edland and I was like, I, I'm like, surely I didn't not like a Ben Edlund episode, you know? Yeah. Like, usually, Ben Edlund, like, he rarely misses. I've said it before, I'll say it again. So I was surprised at myself. And then watching this episode, I was like, oh, I can see why at the time it, like, was jarring. But going back and appreciating it, like, I adore it. And I think that one of the things that really stood out for me was it's in black and white, but I don't miss the color. Like, you would think that it would be something, because nowadays everything is in color you'd think it would be prominent or like you would see it and think about it more but it just it's so seamless that you don't even miss the fact that it's not colored like you notice it for the first couple of minutes and then you just get used to it and then you sort of forget that it's not in color yeah because it just it everything just binds together so well that you just don't even consider it as being odd anymore yeah like it's odd for like yeah the first the little intro with like the title Mm -hmm. credits And then you're like, oh, this is just an episode of Supernatural. Look, that could partially just be because normally it's so grey anyway. But... It already lacks colour. They might as well go all the way. Yeah, it's like they've only desaturated it another, like, 5% to get to this point. It's already 90% of the way there. Yeah, exactly. But no, and so I'm really glad that you liked it as well because going back to it with a new sort of, like, eye... Because mm. I, I never, I don't think I ever went back and rewatched this episode because I didn't love it the first time. And so I'm glad that I'm now doing something that's like made me go back because I, yeah, I really liked it. Definitely not my favorite episode. No. But it's like, it's, it's still a very solid episode. Like, mm-hmm. it's like they took a solid episode of Supernatural and then made it better by committing to the bit for once in their goddamn lives. <laughs> like, I just, I really love that they, they really went. All in. They were like, no, we're doing an homage. It's a shifter. They are obsessed with old monster movies. Mm-hmm. They're putting in all of this work to make their own special effects. The like, little bucket of dry eyes gets me. <laughs> like, we're going to also commit to this bit. Like, we're going to lean all in on this mm-hmm. and sort of the inherent absurdity of it. Yeah. And I really enjoyed a lot of like the visual look and the feel of this mm-hmm. episode, which is like different. Because yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Supernatural's normal, like you know, desaturated, so dark you can barely see anything. Sort yeah, of like, you've made your stance on yeah. these things very clear from literally two minutes into our pilot episode. Like yeah. they're well established opinions by now. Yeah. <laughs> I did actually want to ask because another thing that you usually are not a huge fan of in Supernatural is the special effects. Yeah, how are we feeling about the ones in this episode? I love them. Yeah, I love them like, too. Because they make sense. Like, yeah, that's. That's the thing that gets me about Supernatural is, like, the stuff that I'm complaining about, I'm not complaining because it's bad. Like, it is bad. But (laughs) But that's beside the point. I'm complaining because it's 
bad, but they're treating it like it's not. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, of course it's bad. Like, it... Like, they're going through and they're like, oh, this is from a fucking prop house. Like, they're like, they've got the little tiny bucket of dry ice. Like, they're like, oh, no, these are all fabrications. I do really love in this episode, like, they did all the special effects and they were like, oh, like, I love that they acknowledge, like, oh, these are not great special effects because they're, like, in-universe special Mm -hmm. effects. Like, it is this person, well, Shifter, pretending that all of these situations are real. Yeah. And, like, not gonna lie, I really love the scene where Sam goes to kick down the door. Yeah. it looks like a massive, <laughs> heavy wooden door. And then it just, like, crumples. Yeah. I do have a question about the yeah. house, though, because I also love the, like, murder dungeon, like, old castle It looks like a normal house, and then it's like they've had, like, three or four rooms that they've transformed. Yeah. Into, into like... like- it looks like a fucking medieval castle. Yeah. But I love that then you get the pizza delivery scene and he's walking through what is essentially like just any old house. Yeah. And actually, I just love the whole interaction with the pizza delivery guy oh, in yeah. general. <laughs> it's phenomenal. I think like, I'm like, oh yeah, this is funny. And then the last little bit where he's like, I have a coupon. It just gets me. Time. The bit that I loved was the bit that I was like, does this have any garlic in it? Yeah. And the dude's like, Whoever was playing the pizza delivery guy, like, really embodied what it's like to work in food service. Yeah, huh? Like That pizza delivery guy was a mood. And he's like, yeah. I've got, like, six other pizzas to deliver. Yeah, like, dude, like, like, I fucking, whatever this is, I do not care and I do not have the time for it. Can just, we just move on, please? Like, it's so fun. Very fun. Oh, one other thing that I loved, and this is sort of on the topic mm-hmm. of black and white and the shadows and yeah. things. When Sam goes, when they think it's Ed, who is the the shifter and Sam goes to the theater and there's like the sheet and you have the shadows yeah him coming up behind him while he's is playing the Casio I think he yeah. said oh I love it with like because obviously you've got the music from that he's actually playing mm. and it's just the silhouette and it's just so fun and I just I really love it I thought it was so effective it's a very fun very meta episode felt a little like um Hollywood Babylon to me like, yeah, yeah, no, I 100% get that. And actually, speaking of Hollywood Babylon, we did get another instance of Dean immediately getting food. We had the giant pretzel. He was like, oh, time for a pretzel. Immediately going to eat that. While we're talking about, like, the meta nature of this and whole, like, lighting and set design, and mm-hmm. they make an X-Files reference. Yes, yes, She specifically do. says, so this is, like, the X-Files? Yeah. Now, fun fact that I've learnt on Twitter from a friend, so it may or may not be accurate, but apparently, when they originally pitched Supernatural, it was like the X-Files, but with two brothers and monsters. So I had a lovely person kindly informed me yeah. that the reason the lighting is so bad in the first few seasons is because they were trying to copy the lighting and directorial style of the X-Files because that's how they pitched the show. <laughs> so the lighting in the first few seasons is not only just objectively bad, it's also derivative. One thing I do love about fandom is like everyone has such interesting information from such different facets of what went into the show. And it's so fun, like, because I did not know that. Yeah. It's so fun being like, oh, here's this fun fact that actually explains something about the yeah. choices there. I also love, Dean says, no, The X-Files is a TV show. This, this is, is real, real life. <laughs> I do always kind of love that. Actually, I did have a point that I wanted to bring up because they're talking about the second death, which is the werewolf. And Sam and Dean, I don't remember who says it, but one of them says, oh, werewolves don't actually grow wolf hair. That's just a myth. And I'm like, at this point, guys, 
how do you decide which fucking myth you do believe versus you don't believe? Because, like, aren't werewolves in general, in theory, just myths? But no, you're aware that they're correct. You're aware that werewolves exist. So what the fuck makes you think that they couldn't grow wolf hair? Like, guys, at this point, how many times have you said, oh, that's not real. That's just an old folk tale. The fact that the shifter can grow wolf hair at all, right? It yeah. proves the thing that I said in skin, which is why don't they just turn into a fucking bird? If they can turn into something with DNA other than human, and why can't they turn into an animal? Like, I want to talk about shifter yeah. lore for okay. a hot minute because I think this episode is actually really interesting for yeah. it. And I kind of want to get your opinions. Okay, yeah. So, first of all, talking about our episode on skin. So, this is season one, episode six. Off the oh, top we're of my going head, right, right back. Right back. I think even in the description of our episode, we said something to the effect of, like, is loneliness a good enough excuse for murder? Like, we talked about this. And literally in this episode, we had that exact same concept come up again, where he's talking about, or actually rather they, we don't have a specific gender for this monster. And they sort of monster. Yeah, so we're coming back to, like, the same monster having the same sort of conundrum. Of like, well, I'm sort of inherently lonely and I'm going to use that as a justification for murder. And like, murder. everyone's always called me a monster, like, so I might as well be a monster. Exactly. And I really wanted to talk about this specific line and I don't know if you know where I'm going with this. Oh, is that the freak webinar? Yeah. <laughs> right? I like, literally was like, oh my God, I can't believe they just said that. Because the, the quote is something to the effect of, I didn't write the whole thing down. But, I didn't um, either. I just wrote weaponized freak in my notes. I had, like, real... Like, he's talking about what is the difference between real life and, and, and fiction because they're talking about, like, the movies that yeah. they're, like, creating for themselves, right? And so the quote is something to the effect of, real is having your dad call you monster. It's the first time you hear the word and he tries to beat you to death with a shovel. Calls me a freak. It was, like, the quote didn't like I was like oh okay like that's really traumatic like I understand like they're putting that to you know give you some sort of context as to to why this is the behavior they're displaying I understand that but the fact that they use the word freak in the context of your father thinking that you're a monster and like trying Trying to to kill kill you I'm like oh shit (laughs) Sam coded (laughs) right it's only in that one line that I think you can really see it but just because we're looking for the word yeah. freak now, and this is the first rewatch I've done where I've specifically been looking for it, and I think that that's just fucking fascinating. Well, yeah, you mentioned freak, and now every time I hear the word freak, I'm like, freak? It's like, it's so apparent now, like, thinking of it. And it's only, yeah, it's only now on this rewatch that I'm really looking for every instance. And it's just so fucking fascinating to me. If, if no one else cares, I'm so sorry. But for me, this is just something that's so interesting. To see, like, how many times it does crop up. And another thing that they say at that moment, the shifter is saying that they saw the monster characters in the movies and they're like, they were strong, commanding. And it's like, it is interesting coming right off that, like, monologue about the dad and using the word freak. And it does make me wonder if maybe they're trying to, like, allude to the fact that Sam would like to have that kind of control because something about Sam that is another recurring thing is like his own autonomy you know and being able to control his fate and his life especially with like the whole demon blood manipulated by Azazel like whatever you know don't know what's inherent to him and what's 
actually just the manipulation. Yeah, exactly. And so that is another thing that for Sam has been dealing with and will continue to deal with. So I just thought that was really interesting for them to have put in the dialogue specifically. Yeah. Not just like, I'll kind of allude to it via parallel, but like call out using that language in particular. Oh, I should have probably mentioned this earlier, given who I am as a person. There's a character named Jamie! Right? <laughs> she was so funny as I forgot. So I was watching this episode, I was like, oh, it's Jamie! <laughs> so now we've had a Beth and a Jamie. Well, I was sitting here like, oh, is this why Beth thought I'd like this episode? Because this is Jamie! <laughs> yeah, no, I fucking forgot. <laughs> and she gets to shoot him as well. Like, she Yeah, is. right? She's, she's a very fun character, actually. Yeah. I think I really like her. Yeah. Though I will say, as much as I like her as, like, a, a one-off side character, the whole, like, her and Dean thing is, like... Yeah, I don't love it either. I don't love it. Though I, I do love, sort of, the shifted casting everyone in his life as, like, characters. Yeah. Dracula Daily prepared me for this. Yeah, right. Like, I, I was like, oh, I know the names. Like, I know. <laughs> and so I knew as soon as they said that, like, the... um. The bartender's name was Lucy. I was like, oh, it's her. Oh, oh, that's fun. Like, as soon as, like, the, the shifter referred to Dean as Harker. Yeah. I was like. Yeah, you've connected the dots. I was connecting the dots. Because the they're the only character in this episode that has a name from Dracula. Mm. Every other one who has been cast in this production of Dracula, the shifter's given them the name. And it's not actually their name, but... But Lucy is actually... But Lucy is actually... That's very cool. I think that's a very fun thing for you to have picked up on. Very quickly, you've asked me before, not everyone may know this, Jamie loves cosplay. Yeah. And she's also very extra. So her cosplays are like fucking chef's kiss. They're great every time. And she asked me, before we even got through season one, I think it might have even before we even started recording for this podcast. It might have even been in the fucking introduction episode where we're going through characters. Genuinely, it could be. And I remember you asked me, oh, like, are there any characters I could cosplay? And it was, like, high on your list of priority. Yeah. Well, that's how I know that I'm in love with the fandom. Is there, like, a character in Kaz- Can I Cosplay them? Exactly. Unfortunately for me, Leverage does not have any such characters. <laughs> so, for me, I was, like, thinking, and I was like, oh, you know, there's this character, that character that you could probably do. I, like I said, completely forgot about this character who even has a name badge that says Jamie, like, perfect cosplay opportunity for you next time there's a supernatural con in australia we should go absolutely i'll go, I'll go as, as the as... tiny child from <laughs> something wicked <laughs> and you can go as what Jamie was their from... nickname fucking monkey puss oh don't <laughs> i immediately regret that statement <laughs> it'd be an option that'd be very fun i think it would be very fun okay i have a guess for your psa oh you do i do oof my guess is that you should not hit on waitstaff slash people in their workplace. That's my guess. Already had this PSA. Have you? Yeah. Did you have a PSA? Yeah. Do you want to enlighten me onto what your PSA is? <laughs> commit to the bit? Wait, is that your PSA? Is your PSA commit to the bit? Yes. My PSA this week was commit to the Wait, bit. Wait, really? Yes. Fuck. I'm so mad that I... <laughs> Technically, I did get it. Technically, I guessed it. It took two goes, but I did get it. Yeah, um, but you guessed something that I'd already done before. Well, look, I will take a fucking win where I can get it, Jamie. Okay, my PSA for the day, commit to the bit. Love it. If you're going to lean into something like this in a creative project, just go all in. Yeah. Like, what's the harm in going all in? Exactly. If you're going to put the effort in, put the effort in. Exactly. Oh, I know we already, or 
very briefly, like, vaguely touched on this, about them not, like, having a clear definition of, like, what myths they do versus don't believe. Yeah. But We've talked about this at length in yeah. various other episodes. I just very quickly want to shout out to Dean being like, do you reckon the Dracula can turn into a bat? That'd be cool. <laughs> it reminded me of, like, when we first had vampires introduced and he was, like, so excited and, like... Yeah. Every time we, like, get, like, a new monster that he thinks is cool, he's like, oh, you know, and he's excited about it. And I just thought that that was just such a a fun little character detail. Like, he would be excited about, like, a vampire that's literally a Dracula that can turn into a bat. Yeah. You know, like, it would just be, like, the cherry on top of the cake. And I just, I thought it was very fun. He's a massive fucking nerd. Like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like. Absolutely. Not that he would ever admit it, but, yeah, 100%. And I, I did also love. Sam when they're like at the mummy mm. and he literally is just like this is stupid like <laughs> absolutely love it iconic beautiful just everything about that I loved oh I want to talk about a line that Dean says I don't know how much there is to talk about but I just want to say like Dean honey sweetie it wasn't a near-death experience it was <laughs> fucking death I know well I mean he can't basically he no. can't say to her like oh yeah I died for four months <laughs> Like, she's had her world turned upside down yeah. enough for one Which, day. Uh, related to that, mm. he, he's talking to Sam about how he was basically brought back to life with none of his scars, like all yeah. of his clean slate, no scars, no burns, no nothing. Yeah. Right? He says something about, like, re-hymenated, like, yeah. trans-dean rights. Yeah, literally. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, how else am I meant to interpret that? Yeah, no, absolutely. Solid take. 100%. Yeah. A trans dean is actually something that it's not been something that has been like big in the circles that I've personally been involved in, but it's certainly something that I've seen in fandom as like one hundred percent like a headcanon like or fanon that people really have stuck to and have like very interesting meta about actually. Yeah. But yes, absolutely, like that is one hundred percent a reading that you could have of that scene. Trans dean, I love it. Yeah. yeah, I do find it interesting the whole like concept of him basically have been brought back as a clean slate yeah because he was not clear of all scars because he had the fucking handprint which is so funny to me because it means that it was left intentionally like it wasn't like oh this is a side effect it was like i cleared everything except for this very specific brand on your fucking shoulder that matches my handprint i just do you think it was just castiel calling dibs literally (laughs) literally Like, genuinely, and I just think that's so funny because it just shows that, like, he could have gotten rid of it. Like, it did not have to be there. It 100% was an intentional choice, and I just think that's so funny. Either that, or Cass, like, Cass fully healed his body, right? Mm -hmm. Then went down, yoinked his soul from hell. Yeah. And then, like, whacked him back in the body, and he was like, oh, fuck, there's a handprint there now. Like, nah, fuck that shit, I'm not clearing it. Like, too lazy to do that shit. And while I'm at it, climb out of your own fucking grave. Like, he'd, he'd done technically what he needed to do. I'm obsessed with the thought that Cass, like, absolutely hates Dean at this point. Like, <laughs> I understand that, like, Destiel is a ship, but I'm I'm obsessed with Cass being, like, obviously we haven't gotten any sort of canonical proof for any of this, but, like, I would be obsessed with the concept of, like, Cass just being so fucking annoyed. <laughs> With this one random human. With this one random human. Yeah. Because God's been like, oh, you got to do this. you got to do that. you got to do... Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm doing the bare fucking <laughs> Like... Gus is like, I am above this. I do not want to deal with this bullshit. <laughs> and then it's like that moment when you realize, like, I wanted to hate you on principle, but like, actually, I kind of love you. 
the but italicized I didn't want o. to like you. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess I fucking do. <laughs> I love that concept. I'm so excited for you to see how the dynamic between Cass and Dean develops. Yeah. It's very, it's very fun, especially through uh, seasons four and five. There's quite significant shifts in it. And so I'm very, I'm very excited. Oh, while we're talking about angels, I would just yes. like to reiterate, I think the trickster is a fucking angel because <laughs> it also, it would explain if the trickster is an angel, then all the Tuesdays could have been real and it could be genuine time travel. Oh, yeah. that's mm-hmm. a fun thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So instead of it being like a fabricated... Yeah. Huh. It's real. This fucking theory is really annoying because I can't... Like, there is no canonical evidence that allows me to refute it. <laughs> it's really annoying. That's very interesting, actually. Because we've talked... This is so yeah. completely removed Sorry. from this episode. This is, we were just talking about angels and how they work. And yeah. I was like, let's go into this. I very... We'll get back to the actual yeah. episode at hand in a moment. But I do want to quickly... Ask. But so also, unfortunately, it was good. So there's not a lot to talk about. <laughs> yeah, actually, this is the problem we have when the, when we both really like the episode. It's hard to talk like, about. Yeah, and this and another thing we loved. <laughs> yeah, it could be actual time travel. So like, huh, that's a very fun. Theoretically, yeah. Sam, like the actual four months or whatever that Sam lived. Uh six months, I think. Six months. Post Dean's post Wednesday death. Yeah, yeah, Wednesday death could have been actually time travel. Time travel. Yeah, like, well, so instead of instead of and the then trickster, time travel back, rather than some sort of illusion. Oh, that's fucking fascinating, actually. Yeah. Because it's like it's like the butterfly effect yeah. of like, well, if Dean died, this is literally reality versus, yeah. and then the only thing that the trickster would have been manipulating was Bobby right at the end, where yeah. he created Bobby yeah. as like a vision or whatever you want to yeah. call it, a projection mm. for Sam to attack. Huh. That's actually. Again, completely irrelevant to this particular episode, but very interesting. And I... I mean, that's kind of the brand at this point, isn't it? (laughs) Irrelevant, but kind of interesting? Yeah. (laughs) I don't really know how to come back from that without going through, like, an entire tangent. So, very cool thought. I love it. Maybe if and when we come across the trickster again, we can delve further into that. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm assuming if we come across the trickster again, we'll get more evidence about the trickster yeah that i can either use to piss, add to the piss me off more piss yeah <laughs> or to like completely cut it down and be like oh actually no this is, yeah like doesn't directly contradict does support not even it. vaguely support it like yeah. so but also i just i think it'd be fascinating if the like he's actually an angel and so like his entire purpose isn't just because he likes causing chaos yeah but so it's like a, it's because he's a secondary actually, motive yeah yeah but, like, because he's been instructed to do this. Oh, yeah, because that adds other layers. Exactly. Yeah. So moving moving on from this before it becomes the entire episode, I still want to talk about law. Okay, yeah. But it's a shifter, shifter yeah, law yeah. and shifter question. Uh-huh, yeah. Okay, so... We've talked about shifter law before. We have, but this is a new question Ooh. that I have based on stuff from this episode. Yeah. In this episode, in other episodes that we've had shifters... They have always taken the form of the person that they are copying yeah. in that current life stage. So, like, if I, for example, was a shifter and I was to copy you, I would look, I would look like you as you are yeah. in this moment. When the shifter takes the form of the uh, Dracula, that's you know fine. When the shifter is taking the form of the werewolf, we don't really see them. We assume they're in the body of an adult, right? Yeah. When they're the mummy, they're the body of a corpse. 
Yeah. Because you can see that it's like, it. Do, it's not like... Either that or they've taken the form of like an actor playing a mummy. Yeah, but isn't the whole thing that you have to have touched them? Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of contradicts... What gets me then is then because they took the form, the, their Lucy form... The, the Was from the movie. Was from the movie. Like, did yeah. they... So this is my question. So either, either are they contradicting their own shifter law because they've just forgotten it? Or, or is this like maybe a variant of Shifter that can just copy stuff visually? Or maybe it's just that this Shifter has a different motive. Yeah. So, like, because this Shifter, their motivations are to recreate these movie scenes. They yeah. want to recreate these moments where the they are the monster, but the monster is powerful and in control. Yeah. And calling the shots. Maybe shifters can mirror anyone. Like, but, and like, that makes sense for like skin, where their motivation is to cause it sort of as much psychological damage on the women as possible mm. uh, in the murdering of them by their supposed spouses. spouses. And the one in Night Shifter was greedy. They were trying to take the forms of specific people to. Yeah. So it's like it made more sense for them to look like people, people who in, already had identities. Yeah. Whereas this shifter doesn't – they want to look like movies. So maybe maybe they can take any form they want, but it's only if they touch them do they get the psychic, psychic link. link. Yeah, because that was going to be my next thing. I think that thinking ahead, I'm fairly certain we get another example of a shifter that mimics imagery. At so one point they see like a, a, a poster or something and yeah. then they become... So I thought that that was maybe the case, but yeah, maybe the difference is they need for the memories and to actually yeah. like embody the character that is the person that yeah. they're inter- interpreting, they need to have physically touched them, but the actual physical changes they can just do. And that makes more that makes sense because like when they're the Dracula, yeah. they're clearly acting because yeah. they, they drop out of character. Like yeah, they're not, exactly. They're not Dracula. They're... Mm. Somebody pretending. pretending to be Dracula. Yeah. So it's like, I think, personally, why I'm going to explain it to myself in my head, mm-hmm. other than they didn't think through their own law, is <laughs> that they can copy any sort of imagery. Yeah. But the reason they normally do it accompanied with a touch yeah. is so that they can get the psychic link to yeah. be able to more, like, more convincingly portray. Yeah. So if they're person. trying to blend in. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. All right. Maybe we have to move on. Oh, and actually, I had a, a little point when Dean says, like, oh, we still have to go see, like, whatever movie it was. And Sam's like, oh, I saw it. And Dean's like, without me? And Sam's like, you were in hell. And Dean's like, not a good enough excuse. I do. I'm like, I hate to break it to you, Dean, but that is 100% a good enough excuse. Yeah. Like, you were fucking dead. <laughs> you were literally deceased. He like, wasn't going to the fucking cemetery and being like, oh, hey, bro. Yeah. this movie with me? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I will say though that the entire vibe of like when when the shifter has Jamie, also yeah. known as Mina in the film that he's constructing in his head. Yeah. He immediately puts her in the most tacky, like looking prom dress fucking gown. It probably came as a jewel set with the other vampire costume. Like, let's be it, real. It's tacky as hell, and like that entire scene just gives me like year twelve fucking production vibes. Like, yeah, like this actually, is high school drama class. Like, literally. How many Props and sets does he have made? Like, yeah. Like, how how involved is all of this? Like, I kind of wish that, like, instead of knowing that, like, I understand why for, like, plot reasons, it makes sense that, like, he's bought all of the costumes and stuff from the same prop house because then it's, like, they put together, like, yeah. the same, like, you know, 
Um, He's got, I want the, like, costumes and that from Dracula. Yeah, exactly. I, but I do kind of wish that it had been, like, a DIY cosplay type situation where, like, the shifter's just at home, like, stitching his own Dracula cape. I just think that would have been so fun. I think the other thing is I love this episode because it really commits to the bit. Mm -hmm. And then it makes, when they break from the bit, so fucking funny the moment of dracula on the moped yeah right (laughs) his cape is flapping in the breeze he's just on this fucking moped the little beep like right at the end is hilarious and actually in that particular scene i love that like dracula scales the like gate and then dean also tries to jump the gate but like it does not like he doesn't even get like a meter up like (laughs) it's just so funny to me like i love that he saw this like two or three meter high thing saw this one dude scale it went yeah i could do that just thought it was really fun yes babe dean i'm like believe believe in yourself (laughs) i will say i also love the prop walls and sam getting thrown at them and then immediately like crumbling Crumbling. (laughs) yeah Everything in this episode, is you said earlier that it reminded you of Hollywood Babylon, and that really makes sense to me, because obviously Hollywood Babylon was a episode about being on, like, a film set. Yeah. And this episode is essentially a self-constructed film set. Like, yeah. And so it is, it is fun to be able to sort of almost break the fourth wall of, like, the fact that it is just a set. Yeah. And, and that's why the lines that are like, The X-Files is a TV show. This is real life. Yeah. It's so hard. Yeah. Because it's like, you're and, acknowledging the constructed artifice of this entire goddamn show yeah but in a way that makes sense for the show yeah it's very fun i I liked it a lot it's very clever and actually one of my favorite things is at the very beginning of the episode when sam and dean are in the car there is a quote that i wanted to talk about just in general where dean says you know we can't save the world not today but we can chop some heads off some vamps like the good old days about time the winchesters got back to a good old black and white case and yeah. I thought that was just very fun with the, like, black and white reference. And also, like, the meta moment of him turning off, like, this string back music, like, the radio yeah. stations, he is real weird. Yeah, like. exactly. And that line in particular I wanted to point out because the sentiment of it is something that gets sort of repeated a lot over the series whenever we have one of these sort of breakaway filler cases where they're like, what's the reason where we're taking, why we're taking a break from the main plot? that they give us canonically as to why Sam and Dean aren't following whatever lead. Like, why aren't we trying to worry about what the angels are doing right now or what hell's doing right now? Well, it's because we just need a break and, like, we're just going to take a step back and, like... There's no pressing things that we need to deal with right now, so we're going to... Yeah, there is literally nothing that we can do right now. So we're just going to take a step back. We're going to work, like, you know, a regular case. And you know what? You know, next time we get a lead, then we'll pick it up. Yeah. And so I just wanted to mention that because this is, yeah, filler eps from now on, basically. There will be some kind of reference to this scenario. But also, one thing that we haven't mentioned yet, and the first use of it is coming out of the scene, is the transitions. Like, that's one other thing that they really committed to, is it's like, we have a couple of times where, like, the the screen shrinks to, like, a circle shape, and there's, like, a fade transition where, like, you know, the PowerPoint transition where it, like, moves across the screen, like, we get one of those, and I just, they're so fun. They're so fun, and they're obviously not the kind of transitions you would ever get in, like, modern media, generally speaking. And especially not Supernatural, because Supernatural isn't, isn't... Typically, if a show does that these days, it's, like, to be a bit of, like, a throwback, like, a little bit of a comedy bit. Yeah. And, like, Supernatural, generally speaking, doesn't like doing comedy bits. 
Like it has not a in, comedy. Not in that sense. It has a comedy yeah. episode like once a season. That's its funny one. The rest of the time, it takes itself deadly serious. You might have one-liners and quips yeah. and like witty retorts, Tors. but the actual comedic effect when it comes to like production sense. Yes, is is more limited. A lot of the comedy of Supernatural either comes from physical comedy, like yeah. Dean falling over the bins in The Kids Are All Right, or Sam like one-liners. Sam losing his shoe. Although then again, that's, you know, yeah. Bad Day at Black Rock. So that is, you know, that an inherently episode funny episode. Yeah. Oh, actually, speaking of that, there's one moment in this episode where Sam has, like, encountered Ed at the piano and he's trying to rip off his ear and Sam's like, it's supposed to come off. And the guy's like, no, it's not. <laughs> Sam's like little apologetic face yeah. really did remind me of like Bad Day at Black Rock and that sort of or even um, helpless Sam. Oh, what episode is it where he like he's like, I'm sure it's them, and he breaks in. Yes, yes. Um, and he's like, is that not bedtime stories? Is it Sin City? I think it might be. Dean's like, I think it it's- was one of the episodes I slept through, so it's got to be either Sin City or Bedtime Stories. I think it might be Sin City. I think you might be. I right. have a feeling, and the, so, and then he like breaks in because he's pretty sure it's like the commissioner or whatever. Yeah, and he breaks in to see who is possessed, and then they're not possessed, and he's like, "Oh, sorry." Yeah. While we're talking about like one-liners and moments that I that I enjoyed, yeah, there is a line from the Shifter, and he literally says. I have chosen elegance. Yeah. And then immediately does the most cringy thing fucking possible. I know. And I love Dean literally embodying all of us and going, is elegant really the term? Like, iconic. Oh, and on that scene, actually, I love that the shifter went to the effort of putting Dean in lederhosen. Like, he changed him out of his suit and put him in lederhosen. What's so funny, though, is that he did that to Dean, right? completely disrespected any personal boundaries, changed what Dean was wearing. But he didn't do the same for Jamie. Mm, Actually, that's a really good point. He requested politely for her to put on the gown. Well, until she said no and then he yelled it. But yes, actually, that's a really interesting point because the whole thing is that the shifter has sort of convinced themselves in their character that they are like in love with this woman, Jamie or, or Mina, however you want to call her. Well, actually, no, let's call her Jamie. That's her actual fucking name. It's just very confusing because I'm Jamie. Yes. So, and, like, even in the episode, the shifter says, like, oh, I've, like, I've scared you. I don't want to scare yeah. you. And, like, very much has made, like, her the exception. And yeah. so, like, it makes a lot of sense that they don't care about disrespecting Dean's bodily autonomy and Dean's, like, right to privacy. Yeah. But they would care more about yeah. hers. Yeah. You almost don't notice it when you're watching the episode, but when you think about it, it for a minute, sense. it actually makes it's a lot a of sense. It's a fun little detail. Oh, I do want to do a very quick shout out to a very specific line, talking about one-liners. The police officer who is talking about the murders, and he says, some Satan-worshipping Anne Rice-reading gothic psycho vampire wannabe. <laughs> I also took a note of this line, but I think yeah. maybe for a different reason than you. Okay. I'm assuming you just noted it down because it was fun. I, yeah, I thought it was fun. I am specifically going to reference the Anne Rice section of that statement. Yeah. Because not to go all like old school fandom. Please go. The like fan fiction purges of Mm -hmm. the early 2000s because of Anne Rice. Yeah. Insane. Mm -hmm. And like to go into like fandom history and that, I think it's absolutely fascinating. Yeah. That Supernatural, arguably another revolutionary fandom 
for fan fiction specifically, specifically for the show itself to reference Anne Rice, mm-hmm. a writer who had an immense impact on the fan fiction community. In almost in the opposite sense. Almost the opposite sense. I think it's fucking hilarious that yeah. they like they shouted her out by name sort of thing. It is one of those things where it's like it was likely like not intended no in any capacity but and supernatural like you said that this was kind of a meta episode as we go through the series supernatural acknowledges its fan base through various characters and through various plots and like they're very it's almost like a direct it's like they're shouting out the audience yeah. and they do it in different ways some ways are respectful some ways are not but yeah it's it is funny that that is specifically th- of all the authors they could have gone with like they could have said Mary Shelley. Yeah. You know, like that would have made sense. But they the f- could have even gone with like I don't know who's who's the original author of Dracula? Uh Bram, Bram Stoker. Stoker. They could have even like been like it's some Bram Stoker bullshit. That would make sense. Hell, they could have even gone in the opposite direction and gone, this is some Stephanie Meyer bullshit. Yeah, actually. And that like, at the time, oh god, actually would it have been? Yes. It, yeah, because Twilight was 2005. Twilight was 2000. Yeah, so mm. because we actually did research in the first season and we were like... <laughs> research? <laughs> we was asked Google. Twi- <laughs> was Twilight released like at the time of the episode? And mm-hmm. like the answer was yes. Like I, I'm pretty sure when we... Actually, it might have been a season two episode. But at we're talking, some point, we've already talked about this. So I think it's really interesting that they went back to Anne Rice, which if I remember correctly, a lot of her like writing heyday was sort of like 90s. Yeah, Interview with the Vampire. Oh, no. So Anne Rice was writing all the way from, like, so Interview with the Vampire, which is 1976, mm. was her first big one. And she was writing all the way up through to, like, oh, she, she released something in 2014. So, like, she's been writing for a long, yeah, time. A long time. But, yeah, like, there are Countless there 100% authors. other well-known authors in the vampire genre mm. that they could have specifically mentioned. And I think it's fascinating that it was Anne Anne Rice Rice. considering everything to do with Anne Rice and her impact on fandom. It's just one of those things where it's just like meta in a way that was not intended but it's just so fucking fascinating. Yeah. While we're talking about references in this episode, did you catch their other reference to Akadaka? I did not. Their undercover aliases are Agents Angus and Young. Oh, yeah. AKA the lead singer of Akadaka. Love that. Yeah. Huh. Did you catch the other reference, which was to Porky's 2, which they just said the name of the movie? I call the reference because it was clearly a reference. Yeah, it was I don't blunt. understand what the Okay. The significance of Porky's 2 is. Okay. So essentially, I have no reason to know this except for supernatural okay. matter. Yeah. Okay. So this is a fucking fascinating choice. Remember that the the question is like, you know, if Dean could choose to live out any movie, this is his choice. And it's not Porky's the original. Porky's the original movie is basically about a group of teenage boys who all like make a pact that they're going to like lose their virginity. And it's like some sort of, it's like a a comedy. Like I think it's actually, when I Googled it, it's described as like a sex comedy, right? Yeah. So like you would think that knowing Dean's stereotypes, right, as a character, the way they've written him you would think that they would go for just Porky's, right? But they specify Porky's 2. And the only reason Porky's 2 would make sense in that framework is if it's just like Porky's 1, but more sex or something somehow, you know? I have a couple of 
meta post that I actually managed to find. Holy shit, revolutionary! I, I, I know. She found a meta post. Yeah. This never happens. I know. And these are, like, I found a couple. So I'm not 100% sure which one was the original one that I saw, but... So I'm looking at the moment, <laughs> Tumblr user, Dean was always by, shout out to them, made a post on the 16th of February, 2021. So this would not have been the original post yeah. that I read, but it's along the same lines. Essentially their summary says, Porky's 2 is a bunch of guys putting on a Midsummer Night's Dream as like the play, the Shakespeare play, yeah. and constantly making excuses for being dressed up as fairies until even the most masculine one embraces it and is changed into a female fairy on stage. The movie Dean and Supernatural chose is filled with men posturing as manly men, even as they enjoy things coded as feminine, and who eventually publicly embrace them. Jamie is blinking at me very rapidly. Literally. They really be out here making choices, don't they? (laughs) The thing is that he didn't go with Porky's, the original. It was specifically... Porky's too. And it was uh, the whole back and forth of Dean being like, you don't know what movie. And Sam's like, yes, I do. And he's like, no, you don't. Sam's like, yeah, it's this movie. And Dean being like, lucky guess. Like, he doesn't deny it. Sam is right. And it's the back and forth of Dean being like, you have no idea what movie I would choose. Oh, God. It's just fucking fascinating in terms of, like, reading Dean as a queer-coded character. How many millions of movies exist they could have chosen... And How many went... thousands of movies at this point has Dean referenced? Yeah, exactly. Like... Exactly. And they happen to go with this one in particular. And it's just... Ooh. Especially considering, <laughs> like, it feels like normally they would have made, like, a bad porn joke here. Like, yeah. that it, that's what they've sort of done up to this point. Like, in terms of, like, even, like, bedtime stories. They were like, oh, Dean only knows, like, the porn version. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And this is the thing. Like, Porky's, just generally, the initial movie... Would have made Would sense. have fallen into that category. But they specify Porky's too. And it's not even just, like, a movie that he enjoys. It's like, if he could choose a movie to be his life, that is the movie. It's just the most bizarre... Like, I don't understand how, how we're supposed to interpret that as not... Without reading it as, as queer. It's also, like, I'm reading the summary on Wikipedia now. Yeah. And apparently it's also got, like, a reverend who's targeting the festival. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. It seems like an odd choice considering that the first movie is, yeah. Exactly. And so I just, I really wanted to put this in here because it's just such an interesting choice. And we could probably, like, if I have never seen either movie. But I am almost inclined to watch both purely to discuss from well, actually, like, this lens. There's three. There is three Porky's movies. I mean, they were made in the 80s, though, so that's... They probably have not aged well. Doubtful. But I like I would be interested to watch at least the first two, think about it from this like episode perspective, because I just, I think it would be very fucking interesting. Yeah, it's literally in the description I'm reading. It says, Pee-wee and the boys prove to be surprisingly supportive of the arts as they turn the tables on the pious group. Also contending with the Ku Klux Klan and a shifty politician. Fun. (laughs) Yeah. Everything you want in a summertime movie. It's only rated 5 out of 10 stars. (laughs) And while we're on the Dean queer coding, this episode actually does do a lot of it. 
But we also had like a little bit more of Dean being coded in like a typically feminine way as the like quote unquote like damsel in distress stuck in the monster's lair that Sam then has to come and rescue him when he's all like, you know, tied up. We also have Dean, obviously this is like a horrible thing to say is feminine coded, but him being drugged with the the drink when the shifter is posing as Lucy. We've uh, mentioned before with uh, Abigail of Saving People Queering Things when we were on their podcast, we talked about, you know, Dean and knowing about drugs like roofies in particular and how that knowledge is like brought up a couple of times across the show. So that's like, you know, it's worth pointing out, I think. And yeah, so that I just think it's very interesting that like all of these things all occur within the one sort of 40 minute time period. I also find it hilarious that the shifter casts Dean as Harker, considering Tumblr's recent obsession with Jonathan Harker. Yeah. <laughs> it it's really like, is the supernatural website. It's like that fucking meme that's like um the, from Scooby-Doo. Oh, and it's with the like, ghost. Yeah. It's like, hmm, let me see what we have here. It says Jonathan Harker. And it like, <laughs> like Dean Ridges. I love that. While we're on the topic of Dean and sort of coming back to our very brief discussion of I angels. I made a mistake mentioning Dean. We're never getting back on anything else now. <laughs> Sorry. The conversation that he has with Jamie between Sam leaving to check out the theatre, which, by the way, I don't know why it took her so long to mention the very important detail that he works at a movie theatre. Like, come on, Jamie, what are you doing? Not you, Jamie. Other Jamie. You're onto it. You would have picked up on this immediately. But, you know, she says, oh, so you guys like what the X-Files, blah, blah, blah. He's like, yeah, I guess. And she's like, that must suck. You're giving up your life for this terrible responsibility. And he says, the last few years, I started thinking that way. It started weighing on me. Of course, that was before. And then he says, you know, he had the near-death experience. And when he came to... So near death, it was actual death? Yes, so close to death that he was in fact dead. Holy uh, shit. For four months. He goes on to say that, like, when he came to, things were different. His life's been different. I'm just imagining Damon just on, like, fucking Tinder or something. (laughs) (laughs) Been single for the last four months, just chilling in hell. Oh, God. No trauma, promise. (laughs) Don't even remember it. And he says that when he, since he's been back, things have been different. His life has been different. Uh, He realized that he helps people and not just help people. He saves them. I guess that's awesome. It's kind of like a gift, like a mission, kind of like a mission from God. I don't think there's a huge amount of discussion for us to have on this topic that we haven't already but I do think it's interesting to, like, follow along Dean's whole, like, God is bullshit, blah, 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 to, oh, now I believe in angels, and to now say this. I think as a progression, only five episodes into the season, I do think it's interesting. Dean is, like, when you have a friend who are, like, they're super-duper down in the dumps, and then they get in a relationship, and they're like, oh, my God, they're so amazing. I love them <laughs> so much. Like, they give purpose to my life. That's Dean, but with Castilla. Oh, no. So, like, you think that he's just in the honeymoon phase and nothing can be bad. Yeah. And he's like, I, you know, this this guy that I've met, he's so great. And, like, you know. He gives me purpose. Like, (laughs) a reason to wake up in the morning. He branded my shoulder. (laughs) It was really cute. Like, just a couple things. Just a couple things. (laughs) You you know what I'm saying? Like, it's sort of like he, he went from being like, oh, it's not really worth it. Like, this kind of sucks. Like. Yeah, I'm tired I'm and tired. I'm ready. F- I'm, I'm done with the life. and like, I'm ready to go to hell. He's not only been rehymenated, he's been rejuvenated. Yeah. 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 He's, he's well, genuine. maybe hell is like a really great spa or something. Like- <laughs> so I, 
Do you remember I was talking about in early season? I was saying that John is like effectively their god. Like, yeah, I think he's actually found God now. I, <laughs> but I, I don't think it's actually God. I think it's Castile. Yeah, I I think that Dean as a character very much. You know, you know how we talk about Dean being very predictable and Sam being kind of chaotic. Yeah. Sam and his like liking autonomy. Dean also likes his autonomy, right? Yeah. He likes to be, you know, involved, but he also likes to be given purpose. Yeah. And like he likes to have he was content to follow John where Sam was like more willing to like question John and be like, "Do you know what? No, fuck you. I'm going to do my own thing." Dean was way more willing to be like, "I'm happy to sort of fall into line." I think part of like Dean's sort of arc over seasons two and three is he was so tired and done and lost because so much of what they were doing was resting on him. Like he was having to one forge his own path away from John for like the first time ever, but also he was having to take Sam with him. And so like he had like dual responsibility. Like he had taken over leading the way that he would normally have like let John do, but he was also still trying to like watch out for Sam the way he always has. So it's like an extra burden. And I think in a sense, as much as he doesn't like being told what to do from like a sarcastic little shit kind of way, Mm -hmm. and he will rebel, like we see him talking back to Cass all the time. But I do think that there is a part of him that likes just being told, this is what we want you to do. And he can decide whether or not he wants to do it, yeah. But I think he likes feeling like he has an intended purpose that comes from something beyond him, like an external thing, you know? John gave him missions. Like, that's how he sort of parented him. And so to feel like, oh, God has given me a mission, I think that sort of helps in terms of his, like, purpose. And I think that helps him sort of center himself in his life. It doesn't feel like he is just erratically jumping from point to point to point and having to make every decision himself. Like he is being told, Hey, go from point A to point B. And like, he can choose how he gets there. But ultimately that, that other part, that other responsibility has kind of been removed a little bit. Yeah. And whether or not that's a, um, a conscious or subconscious thing, I do think it's something that is quite prevalent in him as a character. And and like I said, I'm not saying that he likes 100% being told what to do or that, he doesn't want his own freedom and like autonomy, but I do think that Dean more than Sam does find comfort in having direction, you know? Which is ironic because Sam is like a hundred percent more religious mm, mm-hmm. than Dean. Like mm. just as a borderline. Like they have different reasons for And they also have very different perspectives. Yeah. On religion and a higher power. Which we have talked about ad nauseum in previous episodes. Yeah, but I do think just it is funny that you say that like Dean found God, but actually it was just Cass. I don't know if he believes in God. Or yeah, not, but he's got to believe in Cass. Cass is there. He can physically see Cass. Mm-hmm. Cass has the power to pull him out of fucking hell. Cass mm-hmm. has the power to send him back in time. Yeah, but whether he actually sent him back in time or, or just, just created a false reality. Yeah, which the tricks the main. <laughs> I I love you know that meme. All paths lead to <laughs> you know that meme where it's the crazed looking guy with like the red string. That's you, <laughs> but about the trickster. <laughs> you asked um, me to think about it. Yeah. Deal with the consequences. <laughs> I'm so full of joy, but I also have so many regrets. <laughs> to bring it back from that, what I what I Why? do find that was fun. I'm try I'm trying to keep us vaguely on topic. 
I don't know why I'm bothering this point at this point, but I am trying. If you've gotten to this stage in the podcast and not realised that Beth has the brain cell for the today, then I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I just think that the way that you phrase, like, you know, talking about, like, Dean seeing, like, yeah. having his, his – he's not placed his faith in God, he's placed his faith in Cass, is a really interesting way to look at it. And one thing that, like – Well, he's never met God. He doesn't know that God's actually real. All he knows yeah. is that Cass is real. So Yeah. And we're certainly going to come back to this discussion – because I have more to say. I I know that you know about Cass, but I also don't know how much you know about his actual like character arc and journey. Oh, as... nothing. Exactly. So I I know he's the gay angel. You're like I know him at point A and I know him at point B, but I don't know anything about in between. I know that he is introduced by ripping Dean from hell, mm-hmm. and I know that he dies by getting sucked into Super Mega Turbo Go Hell. Yeah. Something happens between those two points. (laughs) Right. So I'm not going to say too much on it, but we will come back to this, I promise you. Oh, I just want to say I would be remiss if I got through this entire episode and I didn't say it at least once. You know what? They're not going to do vampires like three episodes (laughs) in a row. (laughs) They're meant to be basically. Technically, (laughs) they didn't. Technically, it was a shifter. Back to the shifter question: If a shifter imitated a vampire, yeah, would they like? Would they be immortal? Yeah, like because does it change their physiology to the point where like they could just imitate any monster that they wanted? And would that then in turn change? So, like for example, right? So shifters are killed by silver, right? So yeah. silver knives, in this case, silver bullets. Yeah. You know. So if they were imitating a vampire, could they be killed by beheading? Or would that be a way to evade being killed? Because, obviously, Sam and Dean, or any hunter, really, thought they were dealing with a vampire, they would behead it. But theoretically, the shifter could come back from that. Or would being a vampire mean that they could only be killed by beheadings and they were no longer vulnerable to silver Silver. Yeah, like... Because, like, this case doesn't count. Because he's not imitating a vampire. He's imitating a character of a vampire. imitating an actor playing a vampire. Like... Yeah. He's still technically imitating a human, so it mm. doesn't count. But like, does it? How much does it change your physiology? Because if it, if they can grow wolf hair, mm. if the physiology can change to that level, then I wonder if the physiology could change to the point where it changes their vulnerabilities. Yeah. No, I have no idea. They haven't given us any evidence in this episode to say one way or the other. Mm. Uh, is super duper interesting to think about. Yeah. But ultimately, not something that we can solve this episode. Hit us up on Twitter or Discord and we'll uh, discuss it at further length. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone is interested in debating this, I would be fucking fascinated to hear some other opinions. Oh, I do want to say, just in relation to their commitment to the bit, I yeah. do love the tiny little intermission they put in the middle of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just as like a fun little... It's like a fun little detail. They I didn't have it. to do it, no. but the fact that they did was just a little extra little something yeah. something. Did you have anything else that you wanted to touch on before we wrap up? No, I think that was. I think that was. That all. was all. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't have any other massive groundbreaking points to say other than I think the trickster's an angel. <laughs> Jesus Christ! This is just going to be one of those things where I feel like you're going to say it three times an episode <laughs> until either you get bored of it or we come across something that we can use to refute your hypothesis. Okay, so my closing points. Okay. The lighting is bad. Not in this episode, but generally. Yeah. Ava was robbed. Yeah. Meg stand for life. Yeah. The trickster's an angel. Okay. I also... The really, four facets of Jamie. The four facets of Jamie. <laughs> I also do really want 
to get a demon blood sippy cup. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Jamie, if that is everything, how would you rate this episode monster movie out of five? I'm thinking I'm gonna give it uh I don't know. Like I'm between between three and a half and four. That's what I was thinking. Like, I'm going to give it four. Just, I commend their commitment to the bit. Like, yeah. Honestly, the like the episode itself is probably like a three and a half, but the fact that they committed to the bit with everything from lighting to sound design to directorial t- choices, like, I really love that they did something different and they just, like, they were like, no, we're all in. Like, we are not, like, they did, like, the little, like, tiny circle, like, the end thing. Mm-hmm. They did, like, the intermission. They changed the, like, opening credits. They, like, they didn't half-ass it. They were like, you know, yeah. this is what we're doing. Like, they half-assed nothing. Yeah. And yeah. it was very fun and I, I enjoyed it a lot. Fantastic. Okay, cool. I'm really glad that you liked it. I thought that you would. And I'm glad to have been proven As I said, at correct. this point, my middle name might as well just be Jamie Commit to the bit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. The next episode has a bit of a dodgy title. Yeah. Heads up. Uh, it is called Yellow Fever. Big yikes. Big yikes. Straight off the bat. I normally ask you your predictions based on the title. I don't know... Maybe rather than asking your predictions based off the title, I might ask you, what are you hoping to get out of the next episode? Maybe just in terms of just like generally, like what kind of episode do you want I'm hoping the episode itself is not as big yikes as the title. Mm. But I mean, maybe we're going to get some more information about the Croatoan demon thing. Oh, like the demon virus. The demon virus thing. Yeah. It just goes by Croatoan. Just, yeah. It's like... As big yikes as the title is, it does make me think of something infectious. So maybe we're going to get infectious demon again. Okay, so that does us for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. If you wanted to interact with us in any other way than just listening to us blab on in your ears for an hour or so every week, you can always find us on any of our socials. The links will be in the description below. Topics for conversation include... Ooh, favourite times they committed to the bit. Like, when they went all in. Yeah, top episode recommendations for Jamie, where they just commit to the bit 100%. I mean, I I can't skip to them or anything, but I know. But you can keep an eye out for the time. I can look forward to them. I would love, if anyone has actually seen either of the first or the second Porky's movies, I would love to, like, further this discussion. Having never seen it myself, I think it would be really fun to, like, chat about that more. Oh, what movie would you like to live out? Oh, yeah, that's fun. Wait, do you have a movie that you would like to live out? The only movie that's coming to my brain right now is Legally Blonde. Oh, okay, but that's a good choice. I don't know what. I'm, I'm terrible. Graduating top of your class from Harvard Law School purely mm-hmm. out of spite. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie coded. <laughs> I don't watch a lot of movies. Yeah. I watch, I am much more of a, like, a show a TV, person yeah. than a, a movie person. I might have to think on that. Oh, God, give me, a, give me one minute and I'll... What movies have I watched recently? What movies have I watched that aren't tragic recently? Like, because there's movies and then there's movies I'd actually want to exist in. I'm trying to think of something wholesome. Like Winnie the Pooh. I'd live in a Winnie the Pooh movie. That'd be a vibe. Yeah. I, w- I think I'd live in, like, any yeah. Winnie the Pooh movie. Mm-hmm. I think, actually, the Heffalump movie used to scare me as a kid. <laughs> as did Springtime with Rue. So, maybe... Um, the Tigger movie's kind of sad too. Man! Maybe, um... Maybe she's a less depressing kids movie. I like... When I was a kid, my favourite Winnie the Pooh movie was Pooh's Grand Adventure. Mm. And there's scary moments in that film, but I think overall it was my favourite. So Pooh's Grand Adventure, that's the movie that I would choose to live in. 
Next time, just say Barbie in the Nutcracker. <laughs> <laughs> no, my favorite Barbie movie was um, Barbie is Rapunzel. Okay. Mm. Yeah. With the little purple dinosaur? No, purple dragon. Uh-huh. Purple dragon. Yeah. That was a vibe. Look, as long as it's not Barbie's fucking Christmas, what? I don't think I ever saw Barbie's Christmas. I have a niece and a nephew and they were obsessed with it. (laughs) And it is so bad. Like, I love Barbie movies. Like, genuinely. Like, some of them slap. Yeah. But, like, this fucking Christmas Barbie movie, I hate it with every fiber of my being. I loved Thomas and the Magic Railroad. That was one that me and my brother could both agree on. So we watched it a lot. Oh, or Shrek. Shrek would be a vibe. Just for, like, the rave at the end, you know? Anyway, this but is so not the point. But I think so I'm sticking with Legally Blonde. I think. No, absolutely stick with that. I'm going to stick with Pooh's Grand Adventure. I think that's an absolute wholesome vibe. Yeah, anyway, so thank you so much for listening. Like we said, if you wanted to reach out at all, you can always feel free to message us on any socials. We are always lurking. Uh, yeah, thank you for listening, and we will hopefully have you back next week. Bye! Bye!